content of this program is intended for people who are blind and print impaired. Hello and welcome to our 2022 edition of Heard Any Good Books Lately? A program from the North Carolina Reading Service. I'm George Douglas. This program is brought to you by the Friends of the North Carolina Library for the Blind and Physically Handicapped, an organization of citizens, volunteers, and patrons all interested in supporting the library and the services it provides. The Friends Group was founded in 1989 and now has more than 300 members across North Carolina. If you'd like to join the Friends Group yourself, we'll have information on how to do that later in the program. This program is all about books with emphasis on those available from the North Carolina Library for the Blind. The library has more than 86,000 titles in its collection. Books and magazines are available in large print, braille, and talking books as well. The library has more than 11,000 patrons across the state, and if you're not a patron but are interested in becoming one, I'll have more information about that too right at the end of the program. Now this month we're going to take a look at Some of the most popular books checked out in the month of January 2022 at the State Library of North Carolina Accessible Books and Library Services. And by the way, that is the brand new name for the North Carolina Library for the Blind. And I'll repeat that again at the end of the program. And it's called the State Library of North Carolina Accessible Books and Library Services. Now let's take a look at our first book for this particular program, one of the most popular last month at the library. It's called Jealousy Man and Other Stories by Joe Nesbo, a veritable crime lover's delight from a true master of mystery and suspense. So Joe Nesbo is known the world over as a consummate mystery thriller writer. And he's famed for his deft characterization, hair-raising suspense, and very shocking twists. And Nesbo's dexterity with the dark corners of the human heart is on full display in these inventive and enthralling stories. Here's a summary. A detective with a nose for jealousy is on the trail of a man suspected of murdering his twin. A bereaved father must decide whether vengeance has a place in the new world order after a pandemic brings about the collapse of society. A garbage man, fresh off a bender, tries to piece together what happened the night before. A hired assassin matches wits against his greatest adversary in a dangerous game for survival and an instantly electric connection between passengers on a flight to London may spell romance or something more sinister. So this is a great summary of his uh, stories, a collection of great mysteries from Joe Nesbo. With Nesbo's characteristic gift for outstanding atmosphere and gut-wrenching revelations, the jealousy man confirms that he is at the peak of his abilities. Again, that book is called Jealousy Man and Other Stories as well by Joe Nesbo. Next for this past month, the man, <clears throat> excuse me, the man by the sea, the Slim Hardy mystery series by Jack Benton. The Man by the Sea has been called a thrilling British mystery with a stunning twist and an 
absolute feast for noir and paranormal thriller fans alike. Here is the plot. John Slim Hardy, heavy drinker and disgraced soldier turned bumbling private detective, is hired to investigate Ted Douglas, an investment banker who slips out of work every Friday to visit a desolate cove on the Lancashire coast. There he walks to the shore, opens an old book, and begins to read aloud. His wife thinks he's having an affair. Slim thinks he's just going insane. And the truth is more incredible than either one could imagine. The Man by the Sea is the sensational debut novel by Jack Benton, a classic story of love, betrayal, murder, and intrigue. Again, it's called The Man by the Sea, the Slim Hardy Mystery Series by Jack Benton, and it's brand new, and it sounds like a good one. Now let's move on to our next book on the list for this month. The next book is called The Seeds of Change, Leah's Garden Book One by Lorraine Snelling. Here's the plot. Larkspur Nielsen is ready for a change. Now her parents have passed on and her older brother is successfully running the family business. She bristles at the small-mindedness that permeates life in her small Ohio community, and she sees little chance of satisfying, of a satisfying future there. She has a little bit of money saved up, and after turning the tables on a crooked gambler who had fleeced several locals, including her younger brother, she can stake a new start for herself and three sisters. As the gambler's threats of revenge echo in her ears, she and her sisters head to Independence, Missouri to join a wagon train bound for Oregon. Well, knowing that four women traveling together will draw unwanted attention, Larkspur dons a disguise passing herself off as Clark Nielsen, accompanying his three sisters. But maintaining the ruse is more difficult than Larkspur imagined, as is protecting her headstrong, starry-eyed sisters from difficult circumstances and eligible young men. Will reaching their goal prove too much for them? You'll have to read this one or listen to this one and find out. It's called The Seeds of Change, Leah's Garden Book One by Lorraine Snelling. Now here's a book by a very popular author that I think you will enjoy, and this is a nice summary and review of this particular book. Uh, it's a review done by Kayla Provencher on November 23rd in uh, 2021. The book is called The Stranger in the Lifeboat, and it's by Mitch Album. Here's the plot. What if God was one of us? If not as old as time, it's a question that at least as old as Joan Osborne. In Mitch Album's latest thought-provoking novel, The Stranger in the Lifeboat, God is one of us. He is a fellow passenger aboard a small lifeboat. Now, the book is segmented into three sections, land, sea, 
and news. In the chapters labeled C, we read the chronicles of nine year near strangers stranded at sea in the aftermath of their ship's suspicious explosion. Now, each was either a crew member or a guest upon the sunken vessel Galaxy, a mega-million-dollar yacht belonging to billionaire Jason Lambert. The boat harbors two chefs, an Olympian, a makeup mogul, a silent girl, a Greek ambassador to the United Nations, a hairdresser, a British media executive, Jason Lambert himself, and a deckhand named Benji who chronicles the events upon the lifeboat. While this story has all the elements of a whodunit, the real question surfaces when they pull a tenth survivor into the lifeboat, one claiming to be God himself. But is this bizarre, unkempt man who he claims to be, is he, in fact, God? The question carries weight, as the man tells his fellow passengers that he will only save them once everyone aboard believes that he is who he says he is. Now, the passengers must grapple with their faith as they scramble to stay alive in a situation almost entirely devoid of hope. They've called for God, and he has answered them. Now they must accept him. In doing so, they must attempt to make sense of his actions as well as confront their own. In news, we find all the context we lack within the lifeboat. We are given insight into how the world sees this tragedy. Even more importantly, we come to know who is considered important outside of the lifeboat, which serves as a level playing field for its occupants. We receive profiles on the rich and the well-known, those considered worthy of being mourned publicly. We are offered a glimpse into how history will remember this tragedy and its victims. And finally, in the chapters labeled Land, we follow an inspector after making a shocking find, a lifeboat washed up on the shores of Montserrat. Led to the site by a strange man, the inspector searches the wreckage and becomes consumed with a diary preserved in a small plastic bag. As he pours through the log in an effort to solve the mystery of the explosion that sunk Gallant's galaxy in the first place, he begins to piece together the shards of his fractured spirit. Chapters oscillate in perspective between the survivors, the media reporting on the yacht's explosion, and the investigating detective. The way the book is split into these three angles parallels those from which we approach religion as historians, skeptics, and disciples. While the media offers a historical retelling, and the investigator undergoes a personal journey in faith, Benji's chronicles become a testament of sorts as he witnesses miracles firsthand. Now, much like his rendition of God, Album's writing works in mysterious ways. He leaves his readers with a gamut of unanswerable questions and a life-affirming message, evocative, tragic, and beautiful. The Stranger in the Lifeboat is a book with the potential to reach far beyond its own pages.
Now, this is a review that was done by Kayla Proventure in November of 2021. And again, this book, which sounds quite interesting for sure, is called The Stranger in the Lifeboat. And that's the newest book by the very popular author Mitch Album. Next, let's turn to a relatively new book called Time Will Tell, and it's by Barry Liga. L-Y-G-A is the way that's spelled. It's a young adult thriller ricocheting between the bigotry of the past and present as teens unravel their parents' secrets. Here's the plot of this one. Four teens have dug up the time capsule that their parents buried in 1986 and never bothered to recover. But in addition to the expected ephemera of mixtapes, walkmans, photographs, letters, toys, and assorted junk, Elea, Liam, Marcy, and Georgia discover something sinister, a hunting knife stained with blood and wrapped with a note. The note says, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to kill anyone. Well, as the action alternates between the present day and 1986, the mystery unfolds and the sins of the past echo into today. The teens haven't just unearthed a time capsule. They've also dug up pain and secrets that someone, maybe one of their own parents, is willing to kill for. Sounds like an interesting book. It's called Time Will Tell by Barry Liga. And you're listening to Heard Any Good Books Lately, our February edition, exclusive production of the North Carolina Reading Service. I'm George Douglas. I hope you're enjoying the program today. Thanks for joining me. Next, we're going to take a look at a book called The Memoirs of Stockholm Sven by Nathaniel Ian Miller. Here's the plot. A Swedish trapper relates his unique life with insights about friendship, hardship, and solitude. Sven Ormsen lives in a tiny cabin in Spitsbergen, a Scandinavian island with precious little between it and the North Pole, way up there in the north. In 1917, he'd suffered grotesque injury to his face and a mining avalanche and acquired one of his nicknames, which is Sven One-Eye. Well, some turn away from the sight of him in disgust, though he has a circle of friends and family. I resolve to spend my life alone, he writes. So he's drawn to the monastic life of a trapper and appears content with books, correspondence with his sister Olga, and the occasional company of folks like the Scotsman Charles McIntyre, who sees and spend a fellow bibliophile, perhaps in need of a friend. So Sven is seldom alone for long stretches. He is self-deprecating about the topographic eccentricities of his face that, well, to some were a nauseous curiosity. But he seems not terribly bothered by it or by the fact that some call him Sven the seal F-worder. If you get what that means, I hate to say that word on the radio here. Sven the seal F-worder. Well, anyway, you look like a bear chewed you up and shat you out, he's told. You were never very handsome to begin with. 
Well, fortunately, he disdains pity, the only thing worse than flagrant antagonism. And he's modest about his skills. I trapped with something that outshone total incompetence, sometimes proceeding tentatively like an old lady upon cobblestones. The Arctic climes must breed self-reliance and toughness, which are evident even in Sven's two dogs, memorable characters themselves. His first canine, Eberhard, is a fractious, willful brute. Those are in quotes. That is, sometimes his only companion. Meanwhile, Europe convulses in two world wars, and he'll be lucky if the madness of civilization doesn't affect him. Sven's ugliness is only skin deep, and readers will love the beauty and depth of his story. That sounds like a fascinating book to me. That is called The Memoirs of Stockholm Sven by Nathaniel Ian Miller. Now let's take a look at a book by a very popular author, Karen Kingsbury. This one is called Forgiving Paris, a novel by Karen Kingsbury. Could Ashley Baxter Blake's journey to forgiveness lead her back to the city of light? Well, in Indiana, Ashley Baxter Blake and her husband are about to take an anniversary trip to Paris, where a French gallery will show her paintings. But Ashley is hesitant. More than two decades ago, she made her most grievous mistake in Paris. She has never forgiven herself for what happened there, and she still harbors secrets that she's afraid will come to light. Well, just before the trip, Ashley gets a call from her niece. Jessie explains that her boyfriend's mother, Alice, remembers working at a bakery with an American named Ashley. Could that be you? Well, when Alice and Ashley meet. A flood of memories comes back for both women, taking Ashley back to a reckless affair and an unexpected pregnancy, and Alice to the night she nearly ended it all. Can this reunion bring healing and closure? Well, maybe it's finally time for Ashley to forgive herself and Paris, too. Well, sometimes forgiveness can be found only by going back to where the unthinkable happened and putting it to rest once and for all. That is a book called Forgiving Paris, and that's a novel by Karen Kingsbury. Now let's turn to another book that was very popular this past month. This one is entitled Monster in the Middle by Tiffany Yannick. And this is from the award-winning author of Land of Love and Drowning, an electric new novel that maps the emotional inheritance of one couple newly in love. Here is the plot. When Fly and Stella meet in 21st century New York City, it seems like fate. He is a black American musician from a mixed religious background who knows all about heartbreak. She is a Catholic science teacher from the Caribbean looking for lasting love. But are they meant to be? The answer goes back decades, all the way to their parents' earliest loves. Vibrant and emotionally riveting, Monster in the Middle 
moves across decades from the U.S. to the Virgin Islands to Ghana and back again to show how one couple's romance is intrinsically influenced by the family lore and love stories that preceded their own pairing. What challenges and traumas must this new couple inherit, and what hopes and ambitions will keep them moving forward? Exploring desire and identity, religion and class, passion and obligation, the novel posits that in order to answer the question, who are we meant to be with, we must first understand who we are and how we came to be. Again, the name of that book is Monster in the Middle, and it's by Tiffany Yannick. Now let's talk about another book that was popular last month and the previous month as well. This one has been up in the top ten for a couple of months here, but it is worth uh, reading through again. It is called... No Cure for Being Human and Other Truths I Need to Hear, and it's by Kate Bowler. In heartbreaking essays, Bowler recounts lessons learned after being diagnosed with stage 4 colon cancer at the age of 35. This is not a novel. It is a true story. An associate professor of Duke University, uh, Duke University Divinity School, She thought that everyone had limitless choices before receiving the grim diagnosis that pegged her survival odds from cancer at 14%. Hope for the future feels like a kind of arsenic that needs to be carefully administered, or it can poison the sacred work of living in the present. While the morning And while mourning the loss of a future with her husband and two-year-old son, Bowler enrolled in a clinical trial for a new immunotherapy drug and miraculously was one of 3% of patients to successfully respond to it. Now, after searching her whole life for a formula for how to live, she writes, cancer treatment had provided the clearest one of all. Bowler's strong faith is present throughout the writing, refreshingly, never feels overtly religious. More than anything, her convictions underscore the importance of living one's life on one's own terms. Someday, she says, God will draw us into the eternal moment where there will be no suffering, she writes. In the meantime, we are stuck with our beautiful, terrible finitude. Those in need of a wake-up call will find it in this breathtaking narrative. It sounds like a wonderful book, and as I say, it has been very popular at the Library for the Blind. This is the No Cure for Being Human and Other Truths I Needed to Hear, and it's by Kate Bowler, who's an associate professor at Duke University Divinity School. The next book we're going to look at is... uh, A novel, and it's called Two Sisters Detective Agency by, of course, James Patterson. And uh, from the world's number one best-selling author comes a thrilling new standalone novel where a detective duo of sisters finds themselves in the crosshairs of a dangerous and lawless group. Now, here's the plot for this one. 
Attorney Rhonda Byrd returns home after a long estrangement when she learns her father has died. There she makes two important discoveries. Her father stopped being an accountant and had opened up a private detective agency. And she has a teenage half-sister named Baby. Well, Baby brings in a client to the detective agency, a young man who claims that he was abducted. During the course of the investigation, Rhonda and Baby become entangled in a dangerous case involving a group of overprivileged young adults who break laws for fun. Their psychopath ringleader and an ex-assassin victim who decides to hunt them down for revenge. Sounds like a great James Patterson mystery to me. It is called Two Sisters Detective Agency by James Patterson. Our next book on this program is called Deep, Free Diving, Renegade Science, and What the Ocean Tells Us About Ourselves by James Nestor. Deep is a voyage from the ocean's surface to its darkest trenches, the most mysterious places on Earth. Fascinated by the sport of free diving in which competitors descend great depths on a single breath, James Nestor embeds with a gang of ocean-going extreme athletes and renegade researchers. Now, he finds whales that communicate with other whales hundreds of miles away. Sharks that swim in unerringly straight lines through pitch-black waters and other strange phenomena. Most illuminating of all, he learns that these abilities are reflected in their own remarkable and often hidden potential, including echolocation, directional sense, and the profound bodily changes humans undergo when underwater. Along the way, Nestor unlocks his own freediving skills as he communes with the pioneers who are expanding our definition of what is possible in the natural world and in ourselves. It's called Deep Freediving Renegade Science and What the Ocean Tells Us About Ourselves by James Nestor. And time for one more quick one. This is a... Um, a novel entitled, entitled The Last House on Needless Street, and it's by Catriona Ward. Catriona Ward's The Last House on Needless Street is a shocking and immersive read perfect for fans of Gone Girl and The Haunting of Hill House. Now, in a boarded-up house on a dead-end street at the edge of the wild Washington woods lives a family of three. A teenage girl who isn't allowed outside, not after last time. A man who drinks alone in front of his TV, trying to ignore the gaps in his memory. And a house cat who loves napping and reading the Bible. An unspeakable secret binds them all together. But when a new neighbor moves in next door, what is buried out among the birch trees may come back to haunt them all. So if you liked Gone Girl, I think you might like this one. It's called The Last House on Needless Street by Catriona Ward. And that is just about all the time we have for this month's edition of Heard Any Good Books Lately. I'm George Douglas. I hope you enjoyed it. 
If you would like more information about how to become a patron of the State Library of North Carolina Accessible Books and Library Services, simply Google or search for Accessible Books North Carolina Library. Or you can call toll-free 888-388-2460. You can also use those same numbers and website to join the Friends of the North Carolina Library for the Blind. It is that wonderful organization that sponsors this monthly feature on books, and we always thank them so much for doing that. This program is intended for people who are blind or print impaired. Heard Any Good Books Lately will be available right after the broadcast at our website, ncreadingservice.org. So long until next time.